adversity, we had it in the 30s and 40s. Like everybody was middle, like lower class or rich in the 30s, the 20s. And then around the 50s, they invented middle class, which stripped the majority of adversity from people. Life was easier. It was safer, clean water in a lot of the world. You could make money. People were safe. But there's still some adversity. Like you had to order something online to, and there was no online. You order something on the phone. It took 20 days to get it. You could yeah. deal with that. You had to walk into a store. Remember getting rain checks when we were kids? Like if it was a product, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Remember this? Yeah. Auto reverse was an adversity. Blockbuster video. Remember on a date, uh, Blockbuster? Dude. Hey, what do you want to get? Two hours in the video store and they don't even have it, right? Uh, now, right around 1995, adversity died when the internet got big and the um, internet got big and um, like, like Microsoft developed and it got really, really big, really, really quick. And life got freaking easy up until this Corona thing. So where I got really, really excited because I've been preaching, seek adversity, find adversity, do a Spartan race, get out of your comfort zone, join Toastmasters, be a podcaster, get your adversity on. That's how muscle grows, how a human grows, that we, do, we require adversity. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. With, with, without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's, it's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let, let's get it. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. If you guys are new here, welcome. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. Had a great conversation today with the one and only Michael Burnoff. Uh, if you guys aren't aware of his work, it's fantastic. I personally have done his work. I was at an event a couple of years ago and I saw him speak and how amazing he is at captivating the audience. And then I did one of his programs after. So it was pretty cool how the worlds came together and um, I got to connect with him on the show. It was an awesome conversation. We both love hockey. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun and I was just super grateful to connect with him. So let me give you a little rundown about Michael. So He's the president and co-founder of the Human Communications Institute, which is a leader in the personal and professional development industry. He works directly with individuals as well as corporate executives who desire to transform their, their corporate culture in an ever-changing marketplace. His passion for work is limitless and his dedication to positively impacting the world by empowering every individual is uncompromising. Michael Burnoff is both a teacher and a lifelong student of self-development and personal transformation. During his own journey of self-discovery, he studied and modeled effective leaders that were recognized worldwide. He focused on their philosophies, strategies, and techniques that have consistently produced rapid and lasting change. By combining a variety of these proven disciplines and his own strategies, Michael has created his own programs that have enabled both him and his clients to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve life beyond limits. He's also got his book coming out called Average Sucks. He's got a podcast. So I encourage you guys at the end to go check all that out. You guys will love this interview. It was, it was very entertaining. It went by very quickly. And um, yeah, if you guys haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Let us know what you think of this episode. Share it in your story. And yeah, most importantly, 
Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Michael Burnoff coming right up. Michael Burnoff, welcome to the show, my man. Well, I'm thrilled to be here, man. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, we just hit record and let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. Here, the, this is the thing. It's like there's so much good juice that I end up talking about with people, but I don't hit the record button. So especially stuff about hockey. And I was yep. like, we got to get this on. So I saw that you had Theo Fleury on your show, Average Sucks, which is yep. great, by the way. And it's funny because I was like, okay, I'm going to do a little bit of, I'm going to listen to some shows. I want to like get a stalked me. I yeah, love it. of course. And, and I was like, oh, he, that's right. He's, he likes Theo. That's amazing. So that he, he had, that was one of the most powerful episodes I've had on the show as well is his story is just so crazy. And it's yep. just like, I could not believe it. So like, what what do you love about hockey? Like, what did, did you grow up playing hockey? Yeah, I, I grew up playing. I'm from New Jersey. My my grandfather's from Montreal, right? Yeah. And uh, he, I I never got into hockey until I was about eight years old. And then I, I fell in love with the Rangers. And they were horrible back then. The New York Rangers were horrible. Yeah. And then right around high school time, Mark Messier got traded uh, to the Rangers. The Messiah, we called him, right? And he came over, and literally, it it's been my life. I mean, I I literally during this this whole crazy crisis going on with the rinks closed. I literally put a synthetic rink in my backyard. I mean, oh, really? I, love, I put in like a plastic rink. I haven't used it that much, but I'm in Arizona. And I put it around. So I've been around hockey since I was, since I was a little kid. And I, I've always loved things that other people, that not everyone else does. So I think hockey, mm. being an American, hockey's like number 40 as a sport underneath fly fishing, Gretzky said. So like, it's not yeah. baseball. It's not basketball. I love things that other people don't do. Yeah, it's, it's uh it's not even above NASCAR. Isn't NASCAR ahead of hockey? Dude, NASCAR, fly fishing, <laughs> um, petting, petting zoo speed, like everything. You know, you know why people avoid it? It's, it's like a crap stable in a casino. It's confusing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And anything that doesn't exactly make sense or moves quickly, we avoid. Yeah. There's nothing complicated about football. You take the ball, you run, you hope you don't get tackled. Hockey, it's got a series of rules that's complicated, like a crap stable. Yeah, it's very true. So – it's interesting because I've, I've been familiar with your work for a while. I actually, this is going to be funny because I don't know if you know this. I don't know this. But uh, in, in 2018, I was, I was, I met you in, well, I did some of your stuff in Vegas with GAZ. Oh, really? Okay. That's yeah, where I know so, you're from. Okay. Got yeah, it. Now I know. Yeah. And I actually did, I did call to action. So you, you like your work is great, man. And that's why Thanks, it's funny. Man, I appreciate it. Yeah. And it's funny how, you know, <sighs> that seed was planted. And then at the end of that year, I started the podcast and that was this. right now, two years ago, yeah. the thing just popped up the other day with yeah. Kevin and everything. Like literally you and I at that event just popped up in my uh, Facebook. Yeah, man. And it was, uh, it was powerful. Thank it was you. Powerful. Like that's why I, I, I love learning and, and seeing people like yourself who can captivate an audience like that. And what I really, how did you get into all this stuff in the first place? Because I know it's been, a, it's been a progression over time, but where did you, dis where did you discover that skill? Is that something that you knew that you had young, when you were young, or is it something that you sort of fine-tuned over time? Well, let me ask you a question, then I'll answer that question myself, because I want to do a little bit of interviewing yeah, myself at the same time, or we'll interview. Have you always been able to do what you're doing, but weren't doing it? Yeah, I... I worked in bars for many years. Okay. I love that you asked this question because there was that thing that I love to do is connect with humans. You've always been this, but maybe not the podcast guy, but yeah. can you ever think of a moment that you were not a connector? No. 
I know you were insecure. We all had insecurities yeah. and stuff. So to answer your question, I've always been this. I just didn't take responsibility and own it until my later years. Like, like as okay. a kid, I always like helping people. So even in high school, girls would call me that probably liked me, but I was insecure. So I'd help them with their own boyfriend issues. Like I was always helping people with stuff my whole life, but it wasn't until I got older that I accepted my responsibility of what I do and, and how to make it work in the world. That was the big thing. So my, my big story, I mean, it's, it's simple. I, I probably told you at GAZ, but I'll tell it again. And it's in my book. Yeah. Basically, I grew up and typically like people will tell the story of like, hey, and I'm sure you've had these like Theo's story. Yeah. Abuse, horrible stuff. And everybody looks at that guy, dude, if that guy did it with a drug problem and abuse and sexual abuse and everything, if he did it, what can I do? Like my friend, Sean Stevenson, you know, never, never walked. You know, people saw him and go, whoa, when he was yeah. alive, like if he could do it, that's amazing. And I definitely didn't grow up rich. I grew up like right down the middle. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of these people that my whole life, I believed I was capable of more, but everything in my environment, growing up middle class and growing up very average, I would call it, kept me believing that, okay, it's okay to want those things, but you don't actually ever get them. Like, let's have dreams of things we want. And then my parents sold me the idea of work hard and be a good person. And I literally applied that to school, did miserable. I applied that to business when I first started, burned myself out. And it wasn't until like literally one pivotal moment changed everything. And you probably want to know what that is, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was like one moment I got invited in college to not come back kind of my second year. Cause I just didn't do well. I partied well, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't do very good in school cause I was a social person. Right. Yeah. And, and there were rules in class that I didn't do good. So they said, why don't you take a break or get your grades up? So I went to junior college and while I was there, I took a business class. Funny. I couldn't do business in regular college, but in the community college, I was allowed to get business class. And the teacher gave us an assignment, goes, here's a series of books to read. There was like um, the Wealth of Nations. There was um, the Gold Standard. There was like, like Reaganomics. One of the books was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. And single guy, influence people, young, sounded good. I take <laughs> the book out. I don't even think I read it, Lance. I don't even know if I read it, but what I got out of the book was the greatest breakthrough in my life you can be anything you want to be and you can learn yourself better. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea until that day that you can get better at anything if you want to. That was the pivotal moment that started the process. So did you have to, this is a lot of times people just learn bullshit their whole life and they get programmed, right? Did you, was it a matter of- I was of just, programmed really well. Was it, was it about unlearning a lot of stuff before you could really unpack like- I had an easy life. I mean, I love the name of your podcast for what it is. I mean, I had an easy life. I had, I had no, until this whole Corona thing, I've lived like everyone else, like very little adversity. And I had like, life was very simple. So mm -hmm. I was okay and everything was fine. And I could have just danced through life and I would have been okay. Yeah. But I wouldn't have had the life that I wanted. So I wasn't, my parents weren't salespeople. They weren't hypnotists, but they would say things like I'd say, mom, look at that fancy car over there. I was a valet working at the Short Hills Mall, which is equivalent to working in, Whistler. Does that make sense? With yeah, the wealthy yeah, yeah. people in the middle of the winter, like <laughs> yeah. Ferraris and Lamborghinis and the Sultan Brunei closed down the mall someday so he could shop. Mm. Right. And it was like a few towns over. I'd work there. I'd make a couple hundred bucks a day in the nineties, which is awesome. And I'd say, mom, look at those cars. And she would say, those are not for people like us. She didn't mean it. But like she said, if you want one, work hard and be a good person. I would see people that had the things I wanted, like the relationship I wanted, or um, they would do well in school. And I would see them and go, man, it would be great to be like that. Man, I wish I was them. 
I had no idea that you could actually ask them how to be like them. I just figured you get what you get, Lance. You get what you get, Michael. Don't throw a fit. Shut up. You get your life. Give or take 10 or 20%. Mm. Did you look up, was there like Tony Robbins or was there anybody like that that was like, that's the guy? That's the guy. I, I was getting that since I was a kid. I, get, I have the voice of Tony Robbins. So since I was a kid, I always got the, uh, the Tony thing. I was, because infomercials were on when I was in high oh, school. Yeah. So literally, yeah, I remember I those it, like, growing up. And I, and I could do the voice verbatim. Like, the thing about your life is you've got to decide. Like, I, I could yeah. literally do it. So people always joked with that, but I didn't have that. I mean, my, no. my college roommate's dad is one of the guys that really shook me. And he looked me in the eyes. He goes, Michael, he, owned a, he owns a company called Super 8 Developers in South Dakota, which is like they own hundreds of Super 8 hotels. So very successful businessman. And he looked me in the eyes and he goes, Michael, you've got a great personality. You should go into business. And no one ever told me that my whole life, right? Mm. And I see him all the time and I, I thank him for telling me that. He doesn't even remember telling me that. But he told me that. And I went down to the school. They told me, sorry, buddy, business is not for you. But that stuck with me. It's like, that's a guy that believes in me. Like that stuck with me. And then years later, you know, I built a huge business and we travel all over the world helping business people. But it's those moments, man, that shake you and break you. Yeah. I've heard you talk about confidence a lot. Yep. And that's, I'm starting to unpack my life and just see like what it is, what has held me back in the past and where I lost that confidence along the way and how I'm gaining it back. How did you develop that confidence? And well, how have you, because you got into speaking yep. and being able to do these kind of things that so many people talk about. Like I hear so many people that want to that wanna be public speakers. They want to like step into that, but mm-hmm. they lack that confidence. Yeah, confidence is one of those things. I mean, it's the ability to decide and do, and it's to decide to, most people are confident in their current level of confidence. And this is where my whole thing with average sucks is it's like, we all have an average that we have, like you're pretty confident being what you are. Where we lack confidence is being anything other than what we are. So yeah. I think anybody who's like, I drive my car, I go to and from work, I'm pretty confident at doing that. Am I good at driving with one hand over one eye? Probably not. Could I do it while I'm arguing with somebody? I don't know. I'm a decent, confident guy that I can, I can, uh, I can beat up somebody that's smaller than me. Are you confident in fighting Mike Tyson? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so for me, where confidence came from was doing things that I don't normally do and putting myself outside and starting to step into who it is that I really see myself. So what really grew my confidence is this crazy question. I, I was on an interview years ago and I looked at this guy in the eyes and said, he was talking about starting over like a lot of the world is doing right now. And, and I say like, Lance, you're 30, you said 36, you 36, said yeah. 36 years old right now as we're recording this, what does a 36 year old do that has interviewed some of the greatest people in the world that's been in business for how many years you've been in business? Uh, going on two. Going in business for, I've uh, been in business for two solid years that has incredible connections. That's, it's talked to professional athletes that researches and works on his life. That's built an incredible life for himself. What does that guy do? What's fascinating about it is most of us see ourselves as a six-year-old little boy. That's the thing Theo couldn't get over. He still was that little mm-hmm. boy. And most of us, when we want our confidence, our lack of confidence comes from, I was looking to be like my book. I'm telling you, dude. I couldn't write it for eight years. Do you want to know why? I could write it physically. I wasn't incapable. You've seen me speak for two days, right? Yeah. I'm totally capable. Yeah. My problem was a nine-year-old boy 
was trying to write it in a 40 year old man's body. You getting this? Yeah. So my confidence gets developed at a young age. Mm -hmm. Most people forgot to update their confidence. They're running off operating system one instead of like snow leopard, gorilla, unicorn, whatever Apple has right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that was for me, my biggest thing is to look in the mirror and go, wait a second. I've helped 200,000 people a million people. I've been on the biggest stages in the world. I'm friends with some of the coolest human beings in the world. You saw me help a guy get over his debilitation. From yeah. Walking. You know what I mean? That my man insane. got hit by a truck and I got him over the fear of that. He's yeah. out doing big things right now. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Man. Joshua. So, so the point is I have to learn to make decisions from the current Michael, not from the outdated Michael. That's, that's a big aha moment right there. Mm. How do you put yourself into that position of being that person or even say you haven't got to that point yet, but you, I mean, obviously you strive to be somebody and create things and, and accomplishments. How do yep. you put yourself in the next level that you want to be? Because you got to have to do different things in order to get to that next level, right? Yeah. it's really Challenge yourself that way. Yeah, but it's really easy. Like if you look at people's conversations, like if I said to you, you're not allowed to be friends with anybody that doesn't complain, you'd have no friends left because there's no, everyone complains. Yeah. Everybody talks about what they, what they want and what they're not going to go do. It's everybody says like, I'm not going to eat any more carbs. I want a six pack abs. Nobody talks about what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. So if you actually talk about what you're going to do and start doing it, it increases your confidence and your integrity inside of yourself. And then you start to believe yourself because if you understand the difference with the heart and the mind, the heart is like, oh my God, I want to go talk to her over there. Oh my God, I want to talk to him. Wow, I want to start a business. I want to be a multi-billionaire. And your brain's like, sounds great. How are you going to do it, asshole? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you kidding me right now? Of course you're not going to do it. I'll show you 30 videos of you screwing up last time. You'll never do it. They don't work well together. So the way you get your brain, which controls the majority of your automatic thinking, your mind, to get it on your team is to prove that you're actually gonna do what you say you're gonna do. And that's one of the big things. Most people talk a big game and their lack of confidence comes from they're out of integrity with themselves. They don't do what they said they were going to do. And that's my, my desire for you is to be a man or woman who does what you say you're gonna do. That changes your identity. See, now you're a podcaster, dude. When I first met you, were you doing this? No, I was lost, man. You were lost, dude. So two, so two years ago, if I would ask, who are you? Your ID would have came out, British Columbia, lost yeah. mother effer. I now, just, I just podcast, moved back bitch. from Australia. Yeah, you know I, just, I just moved back from Australia, man. I was like coming out of the bar industry. I was, I, I didn't, I was just trying to transition into the whole world. So I was, I was lost, man. Like, yep. Absolutely. You in Sydney? I was in Sydney. I was in the crazy, Gold. crazy out there. My buddy Glenn owned clubs out there back in the day. I had no <laughs> idea. There's like an Australian mafia that runs the clubs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. He was ex explaining it to me. It's like a different lifestyle. And they're, they're crazier than Vegas people. Man. So yeah. the Sydney people. So you came out of that. That business was a conduit for you to be here today. Yeah, my story was just my, you know, I lost my brother and my dad towards mm. the end of my stint there. And it was like, holy fuck, like I really had to, you know, and I had, I had a really toxic life from drinking and partying, you know, the hockey guy, the bartender, yep. and I was just really lost in that, that life. And I loved it. It allowed me to do a lot of things, but I knew that that wasn't the thing that I was meant to do. And then losing two people, obviously my family, I, I, I felt called to kind of come back and sort of clean things up and figure it out. And, and the podcast was kind of born from that. You know, I really, 
the name adversity was something that I just had this burning desire to explore. And, you know, it's allowed me to connect with people like yourself, which is like, you know, it's been such a act of developing my confidence, like having these conversations daily, you know, like almost, we're almost at 200 episodes now. It's amazing. And it's like, man, like it's been therapy for me. Like it's been so powerful at allowing me to have this outlet to have this connection, share stories, you know, yep. and, and, you know, find this common thing and get excited about it. I mean, that's what, that's what lights me up. And it's just been so incredible. It, it, it's, ama- it's amazing. And the thing with adversity, when I saw it, I'm like, dude, I got it. We got to talk. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? And that's the second chapter of my book is called The Death yeah, of Adversity. Yeah, I saw I just ha- yeah. I have that question. Yeah. The yeah. Death of Adversity right here. I was going to yeah, talk Yeah, and, and I wrote the book. So it took me eight years to get the book out. Yeah. And I'm about, we're about to launch in the middle of the whole corona thing. We pushed back three to four weeks because yeah. we wanted to give the essential a chance to get Amazon products out and Barnes and Nobles. They're shipping vitamin supplies, masks. I don't want to be a jerk and be like, Hey, can you even ship my books in the middle of your crisis? Right. Yeah. So we waited to the end, but like literally the second chapter here yeah. <laughs> is, which is like, I saw that. I was excited about it. Yeah. It's like nuts. And it's right there. Boom. The death of adversity. Yeah. And I truly believe we grew up. You're at the end of it, man, at your age, we're not that much difference, but like adversity, we had it in the thirties and forties, like everybody was middle, like lower class or rich in the thirties, the twenties. And then around the fifties, they invented middle-class, which stripped the majority of adversity from people. Life was easier. It was safer, clean water in a lot of the world. You could make money. People were safe, but there's still some adversity. Like you had to order something online to, and there was no online. You order something on the phone. It took 20 days to get it. You could yeah. deal with that. You had to walk into a store. Remember getting rain checks when we were kids? Like if it was a product, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Remember this? Yeah. Auto reverse was an adversity. Blockbuster video. Remember on a date, oh, Blockbuster? Dude. Hey, what do you want to get? Two hours in the video store and they don't even have it, right? Oh. Now, right around 1995, adversity died when the internet got big and the um, internet got big and... Um, like Microsoft developed and it got really, really big, really, really quick. And life got freaking easy up until this Corona thing. So where I got really, really excited because I've been preaching, seek adversity, find adversity, do a Spartan race, get out of your comfort zone, join Toastmasters, be a podcaster, get your adversity on. That's how muscle grows, how a human grows, that we, do, we require adversity. Well, this is my rant right now. Like, so during all of this craziness in the world, no matter when anybody hears this, there's craziness going on. And like, yeah. here's a summer where children are home where they got adversity. Like my, my, my child has real rules. Does that make sense? She's yeah. got getting told no to things. She's got challenges. She can't see her friends. It's 81 again. There's problems. They're getting told no. There's discipline in a good, safe household, right? And because of that, there's an opportunity when they go back to school they can be kids that never made sports teams that can now make them because they're tougher and stronger. They're kids that are going to go back to school because of adversity that are going to be not bullied anymore because they're getting like at home, they're getting tough or ADD just strips from people. Cause they're like, you know what? I got no time for this anymore. I'm zooming with my teacher. I got a role. So I truly feel that adversity has been lacking in human beings as a global perspective, and, and please, I know people listening right now want to prove people wrong. Yes, there is two thirds of the population that has adversity every day and they don't have enough food. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about puny little safe North America, Canada, USA, um, Australia, parts of Europe. I'm talking about those places 
that's what I mean by that, which is yeah. what you see on TV. So that's my, that's my shtick on that. No, I, uh, I love it. And it's so true. I also, so I went in and I, the most recent episode on your podcast, you guys make sure you go subscribe to, um, average sucks podcast too, if you're listening. So also the, Oh shit phase, it was in your latest episode. I really like this for the following reasons, because I, I also, I like how you had people calling in and I actually want to, I want to have something like that where I do that once a week on this show too, where people call in. Cause I've been I'll show you how to do that off the record. I, yeah, once cool. we're off, I'll show you how we do that. Cause yeah. we, we set up a really good plan for that. It's awesome. Cause I, I want to have, I want to have real time feedback. Like, what yep. do you want to hear? You know, like yep. what it would be awesome. But what you talked about is the oh shit phase and maybe walk us through that a little bit about that. And, and I want to get into the restaurant, what you talked about, about the restaurants, if you owned a restaurant as well. Yeah, dude, I got three of those that are ridiculous <laughs> that I want to give you that are amazing. Like I, I, I realized that for, so the whole oh shit phase in an average sucks show, everything we believe in is the concept average sucks. It is to clear the, 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 I mean, I don't know who's listening to this right now and Canadians, very proper people. But what I mean by average sucks is that it's not that I'm better than you. It's that you have an average in your life yeah. and who you are and who you're capable of be never usually meet each other. Like I got a tombstone picked out for me already. It's called all used up, nothing left, did everything on earth, done. That's my tombstone because I don't want to get stuck being the guy that didn't do something, right? So mm. the key is living an above average life. So the oh shit phase is like first thing that happened when we first got started with the pandemic was going on. It's like, what do we do? And it's like, okay, how much money do I have? What's going on? How do I make money? How do I help my kids? What's going on? Like, like we managed up and we, we got safe enough. And then stage two is like, what do we need to do? And now we're like, okay, got it. This is real now. Mm. How do I make money? And I talked to a lot of business owners. So that entire call, the entire, and that was epic. I'm just going to tell you, that was like Joe Rogan, Howard Stern quality podcast. I mean, that thing was yeah. ridiculous, the, the, the answers that we had. And um, the, the reason I read up Joe, as you said, that's how you got started with all this. That's why I, I brought him up. Yeah. Is, I've never even heard of one of his episodes. I've just seen him before. So yeah. um I had Mike Goldberg on, his old partner from UFC the other day. Um, oh, cool. So um, the point is, the point is that the oh shit phase was really like, you get to a point, you're like, all right, shit, this is real. Now what do I do? Like the, it's like you had your loss. We're past that whole like denial and we're in it. Yeah. So what does a business owner do? So I walked into Oregano's, which is this pizzeria by my house, right? And their pizza, they're, they're like one of those places that are busy, 24 seven without a line. Like if you called them pre Corona, Hey, can I get a table? It was like, no, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come down here. But Hey, but I'm Michael Burnoff and I've spent millions there. We don't care. I walk in and I go, how you doing? Love she those goes, places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for them. Right. And then <laughs> yeah. now I walk in, we had a good week in business cause I know what people need to do to, to, to make it work. Right. How's business? She goes, we're down 45%. And she goes, I go, she goes, we're only down 45%. I'm like, is that like, is that like a congratulation? She goes, no, no, we're proud of ourselves. You should never be proud of yourself only being down 45%. So I looked at her and I go, hey, um, are you, uh, you calling anybody? She goes, how do you do that? And I, I literally put my phone in front of her. I'm like, pick the thing up. She goes, where do we get numbers? I said, you've been in business 30 years and you don't have phone numbers? No, you have an Aloha system, a POS system. You, sh you know that you know Aloha. Like, you know, yeah. POS systems, right? Yeah. Um, or micros, right? You know, yeah, those systems. micros is what I use for years. You, you, you should collect phone numbers, but nobody does that. Right. So I said to the lady, I said, um, why don't you start taking numbers? She goes, how do we do that? I said, pen and paper. 
I said, if you called me last night and you would have said, hey, Michael, let's say you're my favorite breakfast place and you would have called me, hey, Michael, um, I know you like the eggs, Benedict. I don't eat meat, but like, I'm just making things up. You like this, you know, would you, would you like me to deliver that tomorrow to your house? Worst comes to worst, I say no. But if they were dialing for dollars, I said, how many tables do you have in here? She goes, well, 150. I said, how many people live in Phoenix? She said, 8 million. I said, your tables just became 8 million. You can get your entire staff back in here. What I would do is if I owned a restaurant chain, I would get every server, every hustler like you used to be, my man, lined up. I would have created the boiler room. I'd get the boiler room of boiler rooms going at people's houses. We'd be dialing all day, 20% commission for any server that could get me anything sold. And I can guarantee we would do a few million dollars a week in sales, selling whatever we sold, find the menu items that work. That's just one idea. Yeah. That takes adversity. Your doors are closed and turns it into massive opportunity. It's a beautiful thing watching people shift in how they do it, especially yeah. at these restaurants. Like, yes. you know, I don't know if you've been to like Cactus Club or Earl's up in Canada. They're like, been there, yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they, I got an Earl, I got an Earl's next door over here, right by my office. Oh yeah, that's we, right. They have, dude, I got a, right I got a keg too, a keg. Oh, a keg's classic. And a yeah. Timmy's. Yeah. You guys have Timmy's down there? One Timmy's, yeah, by the arena because all of the players. And, <laughs> yeah, we have one. Yeah, they need it. But you're in, where, where are you? Scott? I'm in Scottsdale, but in Glendale, they have a Timmy's. Cool. Yeah, I know. And I'm just seeing like all of this, this delivery and like they're actually selling like produce, like lists of different things so people can yep. make their own meal and selling little kits if you want to cook it yourself and yeah. this kind of stuff. It's really cool. It's getting super innovative. Well, but, but that's what we were supposed to be to start with. We got lazy. Yeah. We have had no adversity. We became yeah. weak organisms. So if you're yeah. spiritual, you're saying right now, this is somebody waking our ass up and saying, look, yeah. guys, you have been really, really taking advantage how easy it's been. We have not been developing as people. We've been too busy watching Billions and Ozarks and was a Tiger King or whatever people oh. are watching. Anyone that, like if I ever want to sell Prozac, I'd find anybody that watches that shit regularly oh. and I guarantee they're on their way to being depressed. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're watching those shows all the time, you're not being a valuable member of the world in my opinion. I, I've been telling yeah. everyone, if you watch more than 10 minutes of the news a day, I can't have you near me or my kids because you've been infected by negativity. Oh, it's so true too. And people get lost in that. Like those TV shows, I turned on that, that whatever, what is it called? Lion King or not Lion King? Not Lion King. You can watch Tiger, Lion King. It's Tiger, safe. Yeah, that's it's actually Tiger King. Yeah. Tiger King, man. And I was, I was watching it because I heard the hype and I was like, okay, what is this stupid show? I kept seeing this meme pop up and I was like, all right. So I turned it on and it was the dumbest thing I've ever watched. Like yep. I felt dumber from it. Yes. You probably did get dumber from it. Yeah. And like, I, I get people want to have the, I don't, I don't know what people do, but I mean, there's too much of that shit out there and it's really, I can't watch it or it messes with my, my head and my, because you're, you're awake, man. And this is the yeah. thing people don't recognize. And this is relevant. I want people to remember forever. So I'm so happy you're recording this. The brain's desire to look for negativity does not mean you're a negative person. It is something that will never get overridden ever as a human being. And the reason we do that is we want to protect ourselves. So when we see a car wreck, we look and go, whoa, for two reasons. One is we want to make sure it's not us. And number two is we want to memorize that thing so it doesn't happen to us again. So we are obsessed with negativity because we want to avoid it. So as human beings, like if you go to Disneyland, they know that if you step on a piece of gum, you'll tell 30 people about it, how it ruined your day. You enjoy something at the park, you'll tell three people about it. Three people you'll tell if you enjoyed it, 20 to 50 if you hated it. Like people will bitch more about you and I saying the word bitch 
on this and talk about it with people 10 more times, then they're going to take that idea and run with it. It's not that we're negative. Mm. It is we are calibrated to do that to avoid being harmed by the world. Mm. So the media and the psychology people know that. So they're like, okay, I got to get people to watch the media. How do I get them to do it? Let's tell people they're on lockdown. And when they hear the word lockdown, they slow down and watch. Lockdown, lockdown, quarantine, quarantine. And then you be shrink as a human being and you yeah. sit there and you got to listen to mommy and daddy, which is the newscasters. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real crazy experiment we're in right now. And you know what? There's very few of us that took the red pill in the matrix that are awake. And yeah. you know who's awake? People that listen to your show. People with the courage that are still listening right now, congrats. You just literally look in the mirror. Any of your audience listening or watching right now is to look in the mirror and say, they're right, I'm awake, and you can get even more awake. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And, and, and that's the thing is, is what we're saying could, could just let, just trigger one person to make a different decision, right? Do something differently. And that's what it's all about. One, like, one yeah, person recommended a book to yeah. me, changed my life. I, we, yeah. we, we have a business that's done 50, $80 million in sales. I couldn't even calculate the numbers because somewhere in between that over the years, does that make sense? We've got a business that's spoken to over a million people all over the world because one person recommended a book and one person told me to go into business. There's somebody that's going to listen to this podcast that's going to go, you know what? going to delete my Netflix account or keep it if your kids need it to watch some Scooby-Doo and shit every once in a while. Yeah. But the point is, cause you got to get your own work done and they're going to start listening to all your episodes. You have 199 more episodes of my man's podcast that every one of you need to go back and listen to versus nonsense. Yeah, no, exactly, man. So this is another question that I'm just curious about where you, you talked, you, ta you talked about a little bit in that episode for all the startups out there, all the people yep. right now who are hungry, investors, yep. startups, it can be an exciting time for some and some are kind of scared. Can you walk yep. us through what you think about people doing startups and investing and all that right now? It's, it's no worse than any other time. There's, just, there's more global uncertainty right now, but uncertainty in business will always be there. And if you want to, like I shoot weighted pucks in my backyard for a reason because you know why, because yeah. <laughs> if you can shoot a weighted puck or a goalie plays with a white puck, you know why they use a white puck? Because you can't see it. If you can block a white puck, you can block anything else. Anytime you can make something harder on yourself and you get through it, you'll be better. So I'm not like saying, hey, is there a great time to start a business? Look for a problem. Here's the benefit right now. 85% of the world is taking a freaking nap. People that like were super good at business a couple weeks ago are scared out of their minds. So although there's turmoil and there's issues, and yes, Richard Branson is considering selling his island. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you saw that. It's crazy. Um, and uh, possibilities of this and that and the worth of the dollar and the Bitcoin and all that. But if you can avoid that and you can say right now, like I, my wife sent me to go play hockey with the 80s Olympic team, the Americans. I know you're Canadian, but the, like, I got to go play with awesome. the 80s Olympic team in Lake Placid. The Russians pulled their goalie, Trechiak. Yeah. And by pulling their goalie, I'm not saying that's why we won. There was an advantage. The greatest goalie in the world was on the bench. Yeah. So if you're playing against Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and they both hurt their ankle and you got a good line, we got a chance to beat them. So I want to tell you, the majority of the world right now is either scared, paralyzed, 
or super focused that can help you. So there are people you can hire you could never hire before. There are waiters. There's a dude like you. What were you doing in the restaurant industry? Were you a were manager, I was, owner? I was bars. I was running bars. I was a manager. Dude, there's a guy like you that if I owned a mortgage business, I could rake right in immediately. I never would have got before. That's got a massive following. Does that make sense? Yeah. So whatever it is that you're doing, there are people that are crystal clear and focused. They're scared people, but at least half of the world is taking a nap. And if I ever wanted to build a monster, I would build it while everyone was sleeping. Mm. And I'm telling you, my biggest reason, I don't drink anymore. And my favorite thing is January 1st in the morning to get up and work real hard. And the reason why is everyone's hungover. I'm one day ahead of you before the year even began. How long have you been sober for? I quit in 16 for a very interesting reason. I wasn't having a drinking problem. This was my issue. I'm healing and helping people for a living. You know my work, man, healing and helping people and getting people. I've gotten thousands of people off of alcohol, drugs, Adderall, Ritalin, um, mommy, daddy issues. I mean, I healed a lot of people. So here I'm out out with my wife for dinner. Let's say this is like a fancy bottle of wine that I could afford, $300 bottle of wine, right? And Canadian $700, I don't know what the dollar difference (laughs) is, right? That's pretty much. Pretty much right. And and, and I got this fancy bottle of wine, I'm out with my wife. And let's say you, you admire me, right? Because I have to accept that there's some people that I put myself in a position. You're like, oh man, I got a drinking problem, but my man Michael drinks. Maybe I'll have a little. Mm. I accepted the power of my own influence and I realized that if I drink, I'm telling other people it's okay. Right. If I'm 50 pounds overweight, I tell people it's okay. If I smoke, I tell people it's okay. If I play small. So when this whole Corona thing hit, my wife and I looked at each other like, dude, we can't even afford to be scared for a minute. We got to go because we got to show other people it's okay to go. So that's why I quit because I took responsibility for my own influence in this world. That's like the ultimate step into leadership, right? That was the biggest day of my life. I'll tell you exactly when it was. New Year's Eve going into 2016. Was that four years ago? I'm sitting there. We're at a nice dinner. I wasn't even drinking that much. I'm like, this is not me. And that's it. I'm around it. I respect if you want to do it. Totally. But like Theo and I talk, man, how can I sit with Theo and help Theo and, and really care about him? And, and did, did you hear that thing? When, I don't know if he said it when you interviewed him, when he's like, he just invited friends over and said, hey, yeah, you, know, you want to come over that whole thing? Like, yeah. and check either of our episodes on that with him yeah. and, and, and he'll tell that story. I'm not going to ruin it. But um, it's fascinating, dude. But I have a whole new group of friends. Some drink, some don't. But man, I don't. Do you, you drink anymore? Well, here, I've been since this, Corona thing started, I stopped. So here's my story. I quit in 2017 for a whole year. Good for you. And that was the huge shift that I had was I ran a bar sober. You guys are probably sick of me telling you this, but I got to tell Michael this story. I've never heard it. So yeah. tell me. <laughs> and hear, so, it again, hear it again with different ears. So I started, I ran a bar sober and realized I just didn't enjoy it anymore. But that shift in that full year sobriety allowed me to really step into something else. 2018, I went back into it. You know, I was drinking, getting back into that. 2019, I was off it for nine months. And then I've been off it now since the March 11th. So. I've been dancing back and forth with this man. And that's why I think it's so important what you said there as well as like for me, for who I want to be and step into who I want to be. I, the person I want to be doesn't drink. Yes. And I don't want to give permission. I don't want to judge people. I'll love you and respect you for wherever you're at on your journey. But like the person that I actually want to be, it doesn't, it doesn't align with that person. Yes. Yes. And the, re- the reason I looked this up real quick and you said March 11th, right? Yeah. Um, a 311 
is uh, it's a, it's a police code, and the three eleven. Okay, I don't remember what it was, but I remember it was connected to something. But it's in it's um it's it's something to do with an emergency. I don't remember what it was exactly, but it's not four one one. It's a three one one. But you should remember what that is. It's basically what it is is it's a wake up call, and it's yeah. an emergency. You got to remember you didn't pick on a random date. So I want to tell you, you quit in three eleven for a very specific reason. It was an emergency. And there's an emergency. The world needs to see all of you show up. And I tell you, if I look at that, I remember that because that was a big day. If you told me 312, I couldn't have told you that story. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because I, um, I, I went to the Canucks and Islanders game on the 10th. Who, who are they? They're the ones the Rangers won, beat to the last Stanley Cup against Beret? No, I'm, oh, I don't, I'm not a Canucks fan. I'm an Oilers fan. All right. I grew up in Edmonton. So, but I went to that game. It was the 10th of March. And then the next night, I was – out of, Mark Messier, right there. Oh, amazing. Yeah, he's, he's the man. So the next night, we went to this bar, you know, and I was having some, some you know, beers and some food. And then, boom, the NBA show it got canceled. And we were watching the Oilers in the background. And then right then, I was like, okay, wow, this is, this is where things are going to get crazy. And the next day, the NHL stopped. And then I was like, that's it. And I'm done drinking. Like, that's, that's it. And, and I had this sense of empowerment. I didn't. When this all happened, I stepped into something that, that I felt lit up, man. Like, I don't know what it was in the energy, but like, I felt a call to lead in this, this situation. Wow. It was like, you were built for this, dude. I don't, I don't know what happened, but I got empowered by this whole situation. You know, it's, it's messed up a lot of people and I, I really feel for those people, but I also feel this is such a time for people can step up and really shine and help lead because like you've talked about as well during this time, people, we need, people need leaders now. People need yep. coaches and people that can, can help. Like, yep. I just want to help people, man. And that's what you do for a living. So, I mean, you know, how important is that right now for people? It's the most, it's the most important thing. And then I got in a weird situation myself the other day. I said, you know what, I'm doing better helping even more people right now because more people need help. But I'm going to tell you a little something about your psychology that you're going to want to know. And I know it's the same with me. You're a guy that does really well when you're thrown up against the wall, meaning that you do your best. Like probably when you played hockey, you did better when you were down than when you were up. Always. Okay. I played my best game ever with the flu. And this is the part I don't get with this whole Corona thing. It's like, dude, we used to salute people like, oh man, Kobe, man, he had a, he had 102 fever and he had the flu and he got, he shot 50, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or Chris Kreider, my hero played with the flu. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, Chris Kreider for the Rangers. Yeah. Um, he, he played with the flu and he got a hat trick. It's like, we applaud people back in the day for that. So yeah. one of the things I learned about myself is I do best when I'm up against the wall and I got to prove myself. So as soon as shit got really bad, you said to yourself, man, I, 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 I got to show up. So yeah. like in, I do my best, like even you and I turn the thing on. No, no, what the Tony Robbins always say, no, no net. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no net. There's no safety net below us. So winners and leaders show up best with a problem. The issue in the world where the no adversity came in is I've been saying for years, I even said it at the GIZ event we were at years ago. Tell me the name of the last leader since Martin Luther King, since Gandhi, everyone, Oprah, Bill Gates. Those are not leaders. There's no Martin Luther King and Oprah not the same category. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Gold in my ear, not the same category as Steve Jobs. Does that make sense? Mm. Leaders, but totally different type of leaders. What I realized is the world has been so safe and easy for the most part. There's never been a need for a leader. Where do we get a leader? 
India's in the middle of a revolution, you get a Gandhi. You have unfairness. I don't think Canada's probably even has leaders because you guys don't have any problems. Well, I, I, I wouldn't call Trudeau much of a leader, but we'll I wouldn't either. <laughs> I wouldn't either, but you don't have problems. Like yeah. you guys don't have, like we have civil rights issues and well, with uh, Thea would say there's some issues with your native with the native people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, unfairness. Yeah. There's some unjust, and I guarantee you there's some tribal leaders in your country that are leader leaders. Uh, yeah, for sure. I don't know who they are because I can't speak for it. But think about it. Every great leader, the JFKs, if we want to call them a leader, came out of Vietnam, mm. distrust, problems, civil rights issues. So we need problems to create leaders. That's how the world works. Mm. That's yeah. adversity, buddy. That's what you teach. Yeah, I mean, it's, and that's the thing. It's like, it's been my medicine is, is the adversity and, and it's been the thing that has allowed me to become better is leaning into that instead of running yes. away from it. Yes, and the world is running right now. What we need to do, I talk about this in my book, is something called selected adversity. We need to find adversity when adversity is not there. Because this is a corona thing. I'm not saying it's to go back to normal. We'll eventually get comfortable with plexiglass. You'll be at one of my events one day going, <laughs> hey, throw high fives in that corner and you socially distance people go in that corner and fucking stare at each other. So you know what I'm saying? Weird. Your mask crew right there. It's going to be weird. There'll be a new normal. Don't get me started. Um, I think social disobedience is necessary right now. And I think as human beings, we need to act the fuck up. Yeah. We need to get pissed off and angry. And, and there's only yes. going to be so much time until we do. And um, I'm a big, check out Martin Luther King talking about social disobedience. It's time, my man. It I, is time. I agree. And, and we need to disobey um, intelligently. Mm. Now, where I was going with that and before my rant came up is, we need to look for adversity, which means put ourselves in situations we don't normally put ourselves in, so we're forced to grow. Spartan races, join Toastmasters, start a business, uh, donate your time to a charity, put yourself, sign up for a bowling league, learn how to ice skate, whatever it is, force yourself to get adversity or you will get stagnant. Mm. What, is a, what is something you personally right now in you know, where you're at in your business that you struggle with that you don't talk about often? Like, is there anything within you that because Good. you because what happens is when you're a position like yourself you're the leader you're always helping people but like where what about yourself like where what are you struggling with and who do you reach out to when you need guidance i have a bunch of different people i reach out to i have different friends different mastermind groups that i'm a part of that help me with different things whether it's something that's business related or personal i have specific people that i i respect i'd say the biggest thing that I have is a challenge. There's a couple, there's, a, there's a, probably a bunch of them that I deal with, but I'd say one of the big adversities I have is really accepting what it is that I'm supposed to do and continuing to grow into it even more because it's very easy to play small. And I remember I'm not a, a big fan of this person, so I'm not going to mention their name right now, but they did say something once at an event. They said the biggest issue with people that do well is they can hide behind the fact that they do well. They don't have to get any better. And I can, I'm like the tall guy that can weigh 20 extra pounds and nobody would know it because I'm tall. That is true about me. And my biggest thing is like, I'm very, very talented at what I do and I can hide behind the things I do well, which forces me to avoid some of the things that I don't do well. You know what I mean? Like building a company, getting it organized the level that it needs. So I can hide behind how well I speak and how well I can influence and how good I am at what I do. So I don't have to prepare. So one of the things I recognize is in writing my book process requires preparation, right? So anything we're preparing, I just avoid. And it's easy to do. So that's now granted, I got my way around it. I got a team of people that help me. So 
one of the biggest issues is hiding behind how you're, the things you're good at. That's, right. Does that make sense? I, hopefully yeah. I'm not skirting the answer. No, that's, and, that's of course. I mean, I think there's probably a lot of people because like, let's be honest, you've accomplished a lot of good shit, man. A lot of, you've done yeah. a lot of cool shit. You've and I can keep on doing it. Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's great to hear because for people to hear that you struggled with writing a book because it's, it's, you wouldn't believe how bad I struggled. And when I yeah. finally got it done, dude, do you know what it was? I sat down, I was, I was working on it and I talked with Tucker about it and he's like, I'll help you. And I'm like, eh, you know, and then, um, Tucker Max, Tucker Max. Yeah. yeah he's coming on the show yeah, too. Yeah, I love Tucker. I love Tucker. And so Tucker, Tucker, I was the most difficult client I ever worked with. Cause he said, the better of a speaker you are, the more difficult you are because I speak oh. at 700 words a minute. I write it one word a minute. Right. So he goes, if you're a world-class speaker, you're the hardest person. I was officially the hardest client they've ever worked with, right? For publishing my book. And then I sat down with my wife and I said to her, I said, will you help me? And it's not always easy for me to ask for help, right? I have no trouble asking for it, but it was hard. So I asked my wife and I said, Deborah, will you help me with my book? And she said, of course. And the greatest thing that happened, forget about the book. It got us to work better together because she helped me get the book done. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I was avoiding, I, I wanted that nine-year-old boy I talked about wanted to get the book done to prove a point that I don't have ADD and I get a book done. What a crock of shit. <laughs> so really what I need to do is just ask her earlier and, and who, she's incredible at this. So I had the majority of the ideas. She organized them, helped me put it all together. Bing, bam, boom, the book's done. Best thing for our relationship, best thing for stuff. And then what's amazing was that was 90 days before all this crap at the fan. So mm -hmm. here's the best, or maybe six months. Here's the coolest part about it is we were better at working together into this because of that. So the adversity created the gift and the gift created the ability to solve the next adversity. So that was a big thing. And Tucker's a genius. I'm happy he's going to be on. He's one of my close friends. Awesome, man. So can you, can you not um, transcribe it through talk? Like, can you, how that does wasn't, that work? That, was, that wasn't the issue. The issue was I have 9 million books and ideas in my head right, to okay. commit to one thing. I like flexibility. I like to be on the go. I don't want to be locked uh, down. I'm the guy in Vegas where that event we went to, I stayed at the Aria, right? And there's a line you have to wait in, even for the VIPs. I don't even want to wait in a line. I don't like any conformity. I don't like to sit still. I don't like to be told what I have to do. I'm a nonconformist, right? Mm. So having to fill out outlines and commit to things was very painful. Do you get uh, it? The same way, man. Yeah. So Speaking how I my got, language here. So how I got over that was just go, say it all, and trust that somebody else can organize what you needed organized. Yeah. That's isn't that just I'm a trusting person, but I did yeah. not trust. Nobody told me, wait a second, I'll take it from here. So you know what I've been practicing is is just doing a lot of brain dumping journaling as well. Because I I find that we have, and Seth Godin says this as well. He says, um, writer's block is a myth. It's just that you're judging your writing too much. That, that's, that's what I did. I was being judgmental. Yeah. And we what? stop. We just, oh, this isn't right. And it's like, just write whatever. If you're like, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. Just fucking write that until, and then your, your, your brain just dumps it out. And all of a yes. sudden the good stuff comes out. I was at an event and I had 104 degrees fever. I got food poisoning that morning. Uh, I was speaking for the largest group of like successful marketers in the world, like some of the biggest copywriters in the world. I was sick, you know, food poisoning. One of the only times in my life, it was horrible, right? Yeah. Probably what Corona feels like to people. I couldn't keep anything in, right? I go down to the event, didn't tell anybody. I'm sweating. I go on stage, speak for an hour, lit it up like you would believe, get off stage, threw up. Does that, like it was crazy, right? <laughs> 
crushed the audience. They thought it was incredible. I went speaker of the event. Does that make sense? Did everything I could. It was absolutely amazing. Um, it, was, it was absolutely one of the best situations I've had because I turned it on when I needed to turn it on. And why, why I told you that, um, why I told you that is because what you were just saying about the Seth Godin thing is that you just got to get, you got to get going. And that's the part that most people don't realize. Once you get in there, you'll figure it out. The problem is we don't get going. And for me, on my worst day, I was still better than everyone. Yeah. I was so worried about looking bad that whatever you want to write about or do on your worst day, anyone listening to this is still going to be better than the majority of the world that would never do it in the first place. Your worst podcast is still better than everyone in the world that doesn't have the courage to do one. That was my big aha. A shit book for me, my book's incredible, but a shit book for me would be better than almost any book on the market. Amazing. Because I have the courage to do it. When's it coming out, man? And where's 20, the best, best way to check all your stuff out? Uh, averagesucks.com. I'll lead you where you want to go. Um, you can get it at Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. Um, what do you guys have? The chapters, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you'll be able to get the book um, if that's still open. I they're, don't even they're, know. they're closing. I think we got yeah. like Indigo now or something. Indi- in- Indigo will have it. Um, it'll, it'll be everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Michael, cool. like, you can find it. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm here to serve and help any way I can. I mean, the book's incredible. Uh, yeah. The book's incredible. I mean, we, my wife, like, above average book. Look, look at this. She made it gorgeous. Colors. Inside, outside. It's got, it's really incredible. But I'm proud awesome, of it. Man. And it's made for people that are doing good, that are just yeah. asking the question, why don't I have what I want? Right. So I'm excited that to get it. And it's a wonderful gift to give people because it's gorgeous. Yeah, it is. It's great, go- man. Go- gorgeous looking book. My wife designed the cover. You got to be proud to have that physical book, man. That's, that's something that yep. I want to do too. Like, what an accomplishment. It, it, it is. It was a big breakthrough. See, Jim Rohn, one of my mentors. You know Jim Rohn? Oh, yeah. That, right yeah. there. That's Jim. He was oh, my you, you met him. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, so I have my dad. Who's my dad. And Jim was like my business dad as a kid. And, oh, wow. And so he taught me all kinds of stuff. I met him many times. And basically, Jim, Jim always said, become a millionaire, Michael, not for um, the money, but who it makes you in the process. Get a book done because now you're an author. Mm. Get a podcast because you're now a podcaster. Run a race because now you're a racer. Change your identity. I had a fake ID business as a kid. And I'll tell you, that was my first business I ever had. And uh, pretty good at it too. Um, <laughs> but uh, until I got in trouble. But, um, but the point is, uh, it's in the book. Um, but the point is, um, all of us have to update our identity, man. We need to update how we see ourselves and how the world sees us. Mm, love it. What else do you got going on right now? Because I highly suggest anybody come check out your courses or are you still doing call to action? We're doing it. We're doing it for free right now, dude. Oh wow! We're literally giving it away. So if anybody wants to go to, uh, I'll keep this website up even after the fact, uh, call to action time.com. That's the one that everybody bought at the event you were at. Yeah, I did it, man. You bought it. It's amazing, right? We're doing it for free right now because I can afford to, and I want to help as many people as possible. We want to single-handedly give back to the world, 10 or 20,000 correctly thinking human beings. So we can bring this economy back. So call to action time.com. It's absolutely free. It's a $600 program. Anybody that truly wants to take it needs to sign up, but I am going to tell anyone in advance, if you're not serious about it, please don't sign up. Don't waste the time of some other human we can save. Don't waste the hospital bed. We say, I would say, make sure if you're going to do it to be completely focused, turn off all the stuff that is going to distract you. Cause yep. I remember that was like, it's intense, man. But got a lot, a lot out of it though. 
Yep. Like you're, it's, it's intense, but you got to go into it with, you know, you can't have the distractions. You got to just go, this is what I'm doing. And two hours a day. That's man, it. It was, it was, it was great. So I think that's great that you guys are offering that. Yeah, we're doing it. We've given away $2 million of it up to this point away Amazing. to the public, uh, anybody that wanted to take it. And the biggest reason why we're doing that is we want to help people. I mean, think about it. If you've got the ability to help people, you help people, right? Yeah, man. Like if you got food and nobody else has food, give people food. My, my parents taught me as a kid, the big thing we learned in our house is that the world is wonderful, but it's our job as human beings to repair it and make it better. Yeah. And I truly believe while we're here on this planet is we do have to leave the world better with an extra plant, with more oxygen, with better people, with better offspring, with a better world than the world we were given because it's a major sin in life to not leave this place better than we... Um, if you're going to take, make sure to give double. 100%. Well, uh, I, dude, this was awesome, man. This son. I, uh, we're going to have to play hockey together in person I love sometimes, it. man. <laughs> I, I, play, I, bought a, I bought a building next to a rink. So yeah. picture this. The rink is a block from my building. I play in the middle of the day three times a week when the rinks are open. Oh man, I, uh, that's, it's awesome. When, when our league got shut down, I couldn't believe it, first of all. But it's, I, I, During all this crap? Yeah, man. Like it, I think a week in, it got shut down our whole men's league. My daughter's figure skating. It's like, it's really sad too. Cause it's like, it, it's, it's, we, we got her like little dress for her competition coming yeah. up. There's kids like, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at these kids and going, man, what about like hockey? What about the championships? What about like my Rangers started doing really good. Yeah. You know I mean, Oilers, Oilers in Vegas were battling for first place. Oilers haven't made the playoff. They made it once in the last, like, I don't know how many years. And it was oh. such a good season too. It was such a good season. And for it to just end like that, man, it's such, it's so disappointing. Like it's just like, there's so I mean, many things. Know, some, something will come out of this. Something really wonderful yeah. is going to come out at some point because yeah. we grow through adversity. But as humans, we've got to grow right now. That's the big thing. So I know we're, at, we're probably at the time clock with what an effective podcast is, but this was genius, wonderful. And thank you. I'm excited to listen to your episodes, man. Yeah, man. I really appreciate it. What is one takeaway, one lesson that adversity has taught you? That uh, we have made it through everything as human beings always and not to worry. You will get through this. We get through everything. And if you really look at life, my biggest thing I learned is that everything in life we have gotten through before. If we're still here, we've gotten through it. So we'll get through this. Amazing. There you have it. Michael Burnoff, everybody. The man, the myth, the legend. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's fantastic. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, bro, this was awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, everybody. Michael's book is linked in the show notes. Make sure you get that book. Average sucks. He's worked hard on it. It's going to be a great book. He's got a lot of gold that he's, he's been pulling out of himself for a long time. So it's great to see and great to hear about his, his challenges with writing the book. And now it's actually come to fruition. So go check out Michael's work. Also, guys, if you haven't sub subscribed and you want to stay on top of everything, make sure to go to iTunes and smash that subscribe button. It's all free. That way you stay on top of it and you don't miss any. So love you guys. Stay safe. Appreciate you. Catch you next time.